Greetings, Pillar community. The Lord be with you. What a gift it is to be worshiping Jesus with you today. My family and I have enjoyed worshiping online with you uh, throughout this pandemic. And I wanna say to you that I have great respect and admiration and affection for pastors John and Jenna and Jonathan and their entire team. So thank you for the invitation to be with you this morning. Let's, let's start here. In your journey with Jesus, maybe you're newer to the faith, maybe you're in a place of searching or doubt, or maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. Wherever you're at on that continuum, how many times have you come across words of Jesus in scripture that were hard to swallow? Words that caused you to say, did Jesus really just say that? And the answer is obviously yes, he, he did. It's, it's in scripture, it's right there. The next question to seemingly surface is this one. So what am I to learn from this? What does the Holy Spirit intend to teach me in this moment? Friends, when was the last time you had a teachable moment, an experience that caused you to pause, to pull back, to get to the balcony of your life because you realized that you were right at the epicenter of learning something new about yourself, about another, about the world, about God? Think about this with me. Did Jesus ever have teachable moments? Was Jesus capable of really learning something new? Or did being divine make Jesus immune to real learning? Article 19 of the Belgic Confession reminds us that the Son has been inseparably united and joined together with human nature in such a way that there are not two sons of God, nor two persons, but two natures united in a single person, with each nature retaining its own distinct properties. Gospel writer Luke tells us that Jesus increased in wisdom, and the preacher in Hebrews reminds us that although he was a son, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Was Jesus capable of teachable moments of learning new things? This is a sticky question, and Matthew chapter 15 thrusts it before us. So will you listen with me to the word of the Lord? Jesus left that place and went to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was shouting, "'Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, "'for my daughter is being tormented by a demon.' But he did not answer her at all. The disciples urged him, saying, "'Send her away!' for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I came only 
for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. He answered, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She replied, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus answered, woman, great is your faith. It will be to you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On this particular day, for some unexplained reason, Jesus wanders into the area of Tyre and Sidon. Now, in Matthew's gospel, this region is known as pagan land, Gentile country. The disciples were probably uneasy being there. Just then, says the text, a woman runs up, screaming in a shrill voice about her demon-possessed daughter. Now, I imagine the disciples are thinking, she is the very reason that we don't come to these parts. The woman shouts, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is horribly possessed by a demon. Friends, this woman knows exactly who Jesus is, Lord, son of David. This is remarkable given the fact that the disciples have been slow to recognize who Jesus is. And this Canaanite woman is, after all, an unclean outsider. Her faith chases after the healing she knows that Jesus can bring her little girl. Have mercy on me, Lord. But Jesus does not respond to her at all. Jesus is silent, and that silence gave the disciples an opening. They urged Jesus to get rid of this woman. Would you please take care of her already? She is driving us crazy. Friends, what's going on here? Jesus is big on faith. We know this. Tracing Jesus' footsteps in Matthew's gospel, he consistently champions people who show up with faith. The centurion whose servant was healed, to the query, where is your faith, to the disciples on the boat amidst the squall, to the advocates who bring their friend to Jesus on a stretcher, to the hemorrhaging woman, the text says, when Jesus saw their faith, or your faith has made you well. So why the silence with this woman? Clearly, clearly she comes in faith, and she comes expecting something at the intersection of her intercession and Jesus' mercy. It is in this moment that Jesus says something perplexing. Jesus neither answers the woman's request nor the disciples' request. And frankly, we don't know to whom Jesus directs this statement. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
Now, did he say that for the disciples? A sort of teaching moment for those who are within earshot of the gospel? You know, kind of sort of looking around. Hey, y'all, did I, did I come for the lost sheep of Israel? Is that right, disciples? Or does Jesus say this to himself in a sort of self-reflection? Is this one of those Jesus increasing in wisdom moments? After all, Jesus just got done saying to the 12, go nowhere among the Gentiles, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Apparently, the need in the house of Israel is great as Jesus sends the disciples out with instructions to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Friends, the woman is not going away. But she came, says the text. She knelt before him and said, Lord, Lord, help me. Now the word knelt, I love this. The word knelt in the original Greek language means worship. She worshiped the Lord, like the Magi, who are also Gentiles, who worshiped at Jesus' birth, or the unrepentant slave who bows before the king in the parable of the unforgiving servant, or the mother of James and John who kneels before Jesus as a king of a kingdom. Kneeling is a big deal in Matthew's gospel. But she came before him, knelt, and said, Lord, help me. Now, not only is kneeling an act of worship, but it's a recognition of power. Think about this with me. The leper kneels before Jesus and, and is asked to be made clean. The ruler kneels and asks for his daughter's healing. And at the end of Matthew's gospel, when the resurrected Lord appears, the disciples kneel before him, and Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth is his. This Canaanite woman kneels before one whom she recognizes as having authority not only to sit on the throne of David, but to wield power over evil. And if this narrative isn't perplexing enough, Jesus, to this woman begging at his feet for any ounce of mercy for her troubled daughter, Jesus says something baffling. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, at first blush, this response seems strikingly harsh and insensitive. Is Jesus suggesting that those he normally heals are children? And that the Gentiles, represented by this Canaanite woman, are by contrast household dogs? Friends, this story is sandwiched between two feeding stories. 
In the story before this one, Jesus feeds bread to 5,000 people. And following this story, Jesus will feed bread to 4,000 people. Jesus is the bread of life. His ministry is an extended heavenly feeding. Is it not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dog? The bread that she wants from me, do I give it to her? Or is it just for the insiders? Shall I give this crumb to this Gentile, to this puppy dog begging at the table? The woman, however, is not deterred. She was quick. She says, you're right, master, but, but beggar dogs do get scraps from the master's table. This Canaanite woman claims a place in the household, not a position of privilege or, or even the position of an insider. She accepts the status of a family's dog by claiming that even the dog enjoys crumbs that fall from the master's table. Friends, are you, are you tracking with me here? This woman places hope in what others have discarded. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. This son of David has so much power that there is enough power for the house of Israel and more than enough left over for her. She is not trying to thwart Jesus' mission. She just wants a crumb because even a crumb is powerful enough to defeat the demon that has possessed her little girl. Listen to Jesus' response. Woman, he says, great is your faith. This Canaanite woman seems to understand what the household of Israel has yet to grasp. Jesus is not just hope for Israel, but Jesus is the hope for the world. And faith, faith is learning to sing the Lord's song in a foreign land, in a pagan land nonetheless. Lord, Kyrie eleison, Lord, son of David, have mercy. Faith is quite literally hanging in there with Jesus. Lord, help me. Faith is hanging on to Jesus. Yes, Lord, but even the puppy dogs eat the crumbs from the table. Is not this the promise of Pentecost? This Jesus, declared Peter on that first Pentecost, this Jesus whom you crucified, God raised up, and of that, all of us are witnesses. Certainty that Jesus has power enough for Israel and power enough to save this non-Israelite daughter and that in Jesus, all your questions have been answered, all your concerns and fears and worries have been tended to. And in this season of Pentecost, the church, the body of Christ is constantly moving into new territory and breaking boundaries, following Jesus, who by his spirit is in the business of meeting outsiders and granting, it, granting them not just a crumb, but a place at the table. 
So what is the Holy Spirit stirring up in you? What does the Holy Spirit intend to teach us? Friends, as hearers of the gospel and doers of it, we acknowledge the two competing choruses, one's persistent cry for God's mercy, and on the other side, those pleas matched by the shouts of the disciples. Can it be that the subtle reversals and surprises in this text intend to work some transformation in our lives? to open us up to see the wondrously extravagant reaches of God's mercy. This is an invitation and a call for all of us as followers of Jesus to take our places on our knees as ones who cling for mercy with that same faith that turns us around and plants us shoulder to shoulder with this woman side by side with the outcasts, the wounded, the hungry, the lonely, the homeless. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, thank you for your word, your written word and the truth of your incarnation that you have come to dwell among us and that we in this life get glimpses of your glory. I pray, God, that we would take your word and that we would walk it out in our Tuesday mornings and in our Thursday afternoons, that we would be receivers of your mercy and dispensers of it to this world that is a desperate need to know you and your lavish mercy upon us. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray it in your name, amen.